Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, what I want to do is in the next few moments, I want to really just kind of piggyback on what we did on Sunday. And we're going to be doing that throughout the Epic Faith series as we talk about believing God for big things. Because God wants us to do that. But if we're going to believe God for big things, it's important that you and I have a big faith, that we have an epic faith, that we have a faith that, that is not afraid of believing God for the impossible. God is honored by that. We've been learning about epic faith, and Sunday we talked about the fact that epic faith equals epic worship, that the two go hand in hand. And you can't have one without the other. You see this in the Bible. Worship is an expression of epic faith. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Here is a man, the word knelt, proskuneo. He prostrates himself. He falls down before him. Knelt, he, he may actually have just fallen at his feet. This is an act of worship. We know that because he's saying, Lord, and because he's asking him to do something only God can do. And God is honored by that. Jesus, he comes to, the man comes and says, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. That statement is enough for Jesus to say, I am willing, be healed. We read on in Matthew chapter 15. This is a Canaanite woman. She's not even Jewish. She comes to Jesus. She kneels before him. Again, you have this idea of her falling on the ground. Her daughter's demonized. She comes and she says, Lord, help me. And she and Jesus have this back and forth dialogue where, where Jesus says, well, I've, I've really come to help the children of Israel. I've, I've not come to minister to the Gentiles. His disciples are going to do that. And she says, but even the, the dogs get crumbs from the table because Jesus had said it's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs. And she's undetoured by that. You know, sometimes I think we're too quick to rule out what God might do. To somehow think, well, God's not going to do it. He didn't didn't respond on the first ask, or we sense somehow a hesitation because it hasn't happened yet. We think it's not going to. This lady is not taking no for an answer. And what she does is she comes to him and she falls on the ground. She worships him. She says, you can do the impossible. And Jesus answered, woman, you have mega faith. You have epic faith. Your request is granted. Epic faith and worship. God honors that. God sees that. And that's what God wants every single one of us to have in our life as we approach him for the impossibilities that are a part of life, for the difficulties that that there's no way we can solve or resolve. God delights in doing those things. 
I can't think of anything more difficult to believe God to do than to raise the dead. And yet we read in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 18, while he was saying this, a ruler, this is a synagogue ruler, came and knelt before him. There's that word again. We're talking about worship. He comes and he worships and he says, my daughter has just died. But come and put your hand on her and she will live. That's epic faith. You read the story Jesus went to this man's home. The mourners were there. He put them out. He took the man and his wife. He took Peter, James, and John with him into the room. And he said, little girl, I say, rise up. And she came to life. God delights in doing the impossible. You've got to get that in your heart or you'll never believe him for the impossible. If you don't understand his delight in doing it, Not just his ability to do it, his delight in doing it. That he delights in being invited into the circumstances of our life that are beyond us. He loves it when we come to him with those things. And when we come with an epic faith that says, God, I I believe that you can do this, and and that's why I'm asking you to do this, and I'm not going to be detoured by what I see. If what I see does not match what you can do, I'm still going to rest in the fact that you're the God who does the impossible, because I'm walking by faith, not by sight. That's the value of the prayer meeting. That's the value of being in the presence of the Lord. This is the value of worship. And so as we look at epic faith and as we think about epic faith, we we saw on Sunday it begins with with coming to Jesus. You you can't have an epic faith outside of, of coming to him and worshiping at his feet with him as your Savior and Lord. If you've not done that, that's where it starts. Then we talked about Romans chapter 12 where we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which Paul says is our spiritual act of worship, that that we're worshiping him by saying, God, you have all of me. That is a massive, massive advantage in believing God. It's hard to have wholehearted faith if you're not living a wholehearted life. A lot of people diminish their faith because their life's not all in. I'm not talking about perfection. No one's perfect. I'm talking about direction. I'm talking about saying my heart is set on seeking God, on living for God, on serving God, on presenting my life to him. And out of that wholehearted living comes wholehearted faith that sees God do the impossible. Worship builds our faith. And I want to just talk just for a few moments, and we're going to believe God for big things. At the West Campus, we're believing God for big things. At the North Campus, we're believing God for big things. At home, we're believing God for big things. Here in the South Campus, we're believing God for big things. And you can sense, honestly, you can sense an atmosphere of faith and expectancy that is not 
the result of cheerleading. It's the result of the anticipation of faith that is being birthed in in this body of believers as you're hearing the reports. We shared on Sunday, second service, we had somebody talk about being healed of Raynaud's and, and actually going home, putting their hands in the freezer to um, make sure to just see, wow, this is amazing. This has actually happened. And, and they testified Sunday morning in the second service. If you went to the first service, sorry, if you're one of the other campuses, you can watch it online. It's a great testimony. Somebody else on the night that we had a prophecy here on a Wednesday night about three weeks ago that somebody received bad news. There was an unbeliever who'd come into the meeting. She had gotten a text during the prayer meeting, bad news. That comes up. Uh, the prophecy says, listen, somebody's just received bad news, and the Lord wants you to know he's the God of good news. They broke. They gave their heart to Christ. They were baptized a week ago last Sunday. That's, that's the power of what's happening as we're expectantly seeking the Lord, believing he's going to do big things big things, big things. Romans chapter four, verse 18. When everything was hopeless. As I read that this afternoon and was thinking about this scripture, I love this scripture. Maybe you've come in tonight or you're watching and everything seems hopeless. I think God had that scripture just for you. That he's the God who not only brings hope out of hopelessness, but brings miraculous working in those situations. Here's Abraham, he's an old man now. He's beyond the ability to produce children and his wife the same. It says when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Maybe the doctor said it's hopeless. Maybe your friends have told you it's hopeless. Maybe your family has said it's hopeless. Maybe you have thought that it was hopeless. And you've come in tonight, maybe it's a family member who is, who is trapped in addiction and it seems absolutely hopeless. Let me give you a piece of advice. Believe God anyway. When everything's hopeless, believe anyway. It can feel foolish. You can have people tell you it's foolish. You can have people say you need a reality check. Believe God anyway. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. On what basis are you living your life? On what basis are you approaching your situation, your circumstance? Are you basing it on what you see or are you basing it on what you know God can do? Believe God and so, He was made the father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. And he doesn't have anybody. And he's 99. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Some of you tonight, you're praying to conceive and the doctor's not giving you much hope. 
It is not foolish to believe there is a God who works miracles of conception. The Bible is filled with those kind of miracles. He's the God of life. He delights in bringing life. He delights in doing that. When everything's hopeless, don't, don't accept what the doctor says. Believe, and I, we love our doctors. And they're not wrong to tell you what medical science can do, but then at that point we have to say, there's a God in heaven who does what no person can do. Right. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. Can you imagine that? Decades of infertility and give up. Now, he didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions. And you know, that's what happens to a lot of people. A lot of times people begin to start questioning. They start trying to figure it out. Listen, when it comes to the supernatural, there is no figuring it out. We have to accept that, that, that healing is a mystery, that God's working in, in many things is a mystery, that the supernatural has an element of mystery to it. There are things in the unseen world happening that we cannot see and we cannot know and we will not understand until we're in heaven. And that is why God has called us to walk by faith. And that is where epic faith makes such a difference and where worship builds epic faith. Watch this. It says this, Romans 4.20, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but watch this, grew strong in faith. How? Giving glory to God. One of the reasons why we have the worship time in the prayer meeting or on Sunday is because there's something about that atmosphere of just praising the Lord and worshiping him that builds faith in the hearts of everybody in the room, even in the hearts of unbelievers, if you will, that they might find him as their savior. Or the hearts of those who are away from him, that they might rededicate their life to him. It changes you. I don't know about you, but, but when I come home after Wednesday night or after Sunday, do I have my devotional time? Yes. But when I come home after Sunday or Wednesday, there's a difference. There's, there's something different about having been together in the presence of the Lord that changes me, that sanctifies me, that strengthens me. So... As we're in this time, this is an opportunity to build epic faith. And what happens is when we begin to default, because every one of us has personal preferences, we have songs we like, we have styles we like, we have, we have certain sequences or we have, we have certain volumes, we have certain, everybody's got their own level of preference. And when we default to a focus on our preference, and rule out everything else, we're missing the opportunity that is available to us to have our faith strengthened in that moment that we might believe God for big things and in in believing, receive from him. So I'm just going to talk about a, a few of the rudiments of worship. We just talked about one, the kneeling. And I mean, there's times when Debbie and I, in the presence of the Lord, have just, I mean, a couple Wednesday nights ago, we're there, and, and the, the Lord, the glory is so much there that to kneel seemed the only appropriate thing for me to do. I, you know, that's, I, I think sometimes we're too worried about what people will think. Who cares? Who cares? 
You're honoring the Lord. It's all over the Bible. People knelt in his presence and received miracles from him. I've got to ask you this question. If God says to you, kneel right now in my presence and I will answer that thing on your heart, are you game? Are you willing? Or are you going to say, you know, I think I can sit here and if he wants to do it. Listen, when you start playing that game, you're out. When you start determining what you think God can do and how you think God should meet you on your terms, bye-bye miracles. Because you're not going to, God is God. I, I, just would, I just would encourage everybody here, as God is, as we're looking at biblical things, I'm not talking about things that are unbiblical. I'm not asking you to do things that are, that are disruptive. But things that are a part or appropriate part of worshiping the Lord, if God asks you to do it, are you willing to do it, believing that whether you receive in that very moment, though I think often people can, or whether it's over time that you receive, the obedience the repeated obedience to the prompting of the Lord may bring about the miracle that you are seeking. As you, you simply say, God, if you're asking me to do it, I'm going to do it. And maybe it comes by way of a sermon. Maybe it comes by way of somebody talking to you and saying, listen, have you been doing this? Are you doing this? And, and all of a sudden you're like, eh, you know, I, I don't really do that. I don't really want to do that. And all of a sudden you're convicted by the Lord. You need to do it. You say like what? Well, let's start. I'll just give you a few things. This is, this is not complicated. It's very, very simple. But I realize that even as I say this, there are a number of people that are going to have to think this through. And I would encourage you with all of my heart to do it because I believe God wants to work. And a part of what he wants to do, he wants to meet your need, yes, but he wants to strengthen and change you even more. We worship God by singing. By singing. Now, 77 times the Psalms, which is really, I think the Psalms is really the manual that tells us in the Bible, the book that tells us how God wants to be worshiped. And 77 times it tells us to sing. You may not be able to sing like Josh Groban or Beyonce. (laughs) And that's okay. That's not required. I mean, this isn't the voice. The, the, The Lord loves to hear you sing. You say, but nobody around me will want to hear me sing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're not singing for them. You're singing to the Lord. But over and over again, in Psalm chapter 81 and verse 1, sing for joy to God our strength. What's that saying? That when you're singing to him, he's a God of strength, and as his presence descends upon you, the strength that is his begins to fill your heart and makes you what? Strong. In Psalm 105 and verse 2, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all of his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. In other words, as you're singing, as you're rejoicing, what's happening? You're looking to the Lord in his strength. His strength becomes your strength as you sing and worship the Lord. It, it changes you. 
It builds your faith. You become strong in your faith as you sing. I mean, honestly, some people say, you know, I just don't know all the words and I don't make them up. If you stood next to me in service, you'd be shocked. You'd be like, he's the pastor and he's making up words all the time. All the time. I didn't even have to try, even with the sermon. I've, I made up some words in, in one of the songs there. I, I realized, oh, that's not the words, is it? Oh, well, sounded good to me and the Lord. <laughs> Forget about yourself and focus on Him. We worship the Lord by shouting. By shouting. This is, this is I think especially in many churches, undervalued. And it's an area I would say at James River, we, we need to grow. I, I think there's a, a massive, massive benefit when you read through the scripture. I mean, Psalm 47 and verse one, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. God has ascended amid the shouts of joy. What's that saying? that God gets up, that God starts moving, that God's on the move when his people are shouting, when the people are celebrating. Look at it, he reigns, he's seated on his holy throne. God says, oh wow, people are praising me and they're praising me loud. I'm going to come and make myself known. I'm going to inhabit, I'm going to sit enthroned on the praise of my people. When you and I are shouting, there is a strengthening of our spiritual being and a strengthening of our faith. And not only is our faith strengthened, but epic things happen. I mean, think of this, Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to think about this connection. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been circled for seven days. Do you know what brought the walls down? A shout. Look at it in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 16. At the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout. And that's the same word that is used in the Psalms. It's the word ruah, and it, it's a, a shout of celebration. It's a shout of triumph. It's a shout of victory before you even got the victory. In other words, your faith so strong, you so believe God's going to do it that you're acting like he's already done it, and he hasn't even done anything yet. That's how epic faith works. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, faith, when you're walking in faith, the things you're hoping for begin to actually become very real to you. Not only real, but faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, the certainty of things not seen, all of a sudden it's so real, it's so certain to you that you shout like it's already happened, even though it hasn't, but that's the stuff that brings the miracle. Watch this. In Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20, as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout. What kind of shout? A ruah, shout of victory, a shout of triumph, a shout of, we've got this. And the wall fell down flat. 
That's unbelievable. Some of you, you need to, you need to shout. You need to lift your voice. You need to, you, you know, and there are people who are saying, well, I'm not from that background. Are you really, are you really, really, really going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be more true to the way I was raised than to what the Word of God says? Listen, faith will always stretch us. Epic faith will always bring you to a place where you're uncomfortable. It's always how it is. It's uncomfortable to believe God for things that seem hopeless, for things that don't make sense, for things that seem impossible. You know, talking about the 30th anniversary and, and just listening to some different things, but I was talking with a couple of the staff members about standing here on the land and and I can remember just thinking, this is impossible. This is impossible. I mean, when you're going to believe God for big things, it's impossible. It's, 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 it's on your own, in your own power, your own ability to understand. And you've got to be, you've got to be willing to be in a place where you're uncomfortable and to do things that are outside of your norm. So whether it's me pulling on the land and lifting my hands and worshiping the Lord as cars are going by on the highway wondering, what is he doing out there with his hands in the air with his back to the highway? What I was doing was I was saying, God, there's no possible way that I can see we can build this church. But you're the God that takes things that are not and calls them as though they are. And if you say there's going to be a church building here, then God, I worship and praise you now as if it has already happened. And I'm going to thank you for the next 20 minutes. I worshiped him and thanked him for the church that didn't exist that was impossible. I'm just simply saying that's how faith works. And nobody was sitting beside me saying, yeah, that's right. It's going to happen. Yeah, nobody was saying that. I'm just simply saying you, you cannot be more committed to your comfort zone than you are to the commands of Scripture. And whatever it is God puts in your heart. So in that particular case, I mean, God put it in my heart. I was at a service on a Sunday. I, I was seeking God that night. I went to a service I wasn't preaching at, and I was just in the altar. When I got done with the altar, I didn't feel like I had received anything from the Lord. I was burdened about, about the decision we were facing here. And I went back to the hotel, and I remember saying to Debbie in the hotel, I don't understand why God didn't meet me at the altar. You know, I say that because some of you are going to go home tonight, and you're going to say, he talked about this great faith, but I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like it happened for me in the way I'd hoped it would. And the next morning, as we were sitting on an airplane, at LaGuardia, getting ready to fly home. When I fastened the seatbelt, I can remember it. I realized I was a different person. And I was reading my Bible, having my devotional time there on the plane, and the Lord put in my heart, when you get home tomorrow, I want you to go out on that land. I want you to go to the place of the, of the 
uh, where the auditorium is going to be, the approximate place where the, where the platform and the altar is going to be. And I want you to build an altar to me, and I want you to worship me for the auditorium I'm going to build. I'm just saying God, God is going to speak to your heart. And if it comes down to what you're comfortable with, there's some things you're never going to do, and you'll miss out on what God would have done. And we, we need to be at a place where we're comfortable in doing what Scripture asks us to do. If it's, if it's singing, Scripture commands us to sing. If it's shouting, Scripture commands us to shout. If it's clapping our hands, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. If it's clapping, then, then do it. If it's, if it's lifting our hands, then do it. I mean, the Bible is full of all kinds of scripture that talks about lifting our heads. Psalm 28 says, hear my cry for mercy as I call for help, as I lift up my hands. Listen, lifting your hands will strengthen your faith. I know it from repeated encounters with God. Where I lift my hands, not because I feel like it, Sometimes I do. Sometimes it's a matter of, John, you better lift your hands. You're in a battle. And if you're going to win the battle, you're going to have to lift your hands because hands are lifted to the Lord. You know, it, it comes down to that kind of thing. It strengthens your faith. Watch this. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. In your name, in your power, in your presence, in your place, in your sanctuary, in worship to you, I'll lift up my hands. Psalm 134 says, Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. There's something about lifting our hands. It's, a, it's not just a part of biblical prayer, but as we saw in the Led by Fire series, it's a part of winning spiritual battles. Remember that in Exodus? So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill, and as long as he held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. What is that saying? There's something that happens when you and I lift our hands, it's not the end all be all, but it, like singing, something happens when you sing, like shouting, something happens when you shout, walls come down. Walls that have never come down, walls that seem impossible come down. When you clap, it's, it's, not a, it's not a golf clap. It's not, it's not necessarily even a standing ovation. It's a clap of obedience, of praise to the Lord that says, God, there isn't anyone anywhere like you, and I honor you, and I love you, and I'm applauding you. Oh, God, you're the God who does big things, and your love for me is big, and Lord, I just praise you. And as you get lost in all of that, your faith is strengthened to not only ask for big things, but to pray big things and to believe big things, which means you receive big things, right? Listen, wherever you're at tonight, God wants to do the impossible. And the reason why is because nothing is impossible for him. 
Oh, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and thine outstretched arm. Nothing is impossible for you. Jeremiah said that. Looking at an impossible situation, I don't know what you're facing tonight, but I know the God who is bigger than any situation. You might be in a hopeless situation. Take heart like Abraham. Don't look at what you can do. Look at what he can do.